and welcome to Repertory Screenings, Episode 7. I'm your host, M, and with me are my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Ahoy, ahoy. And we're here to talk about movies. Who's watched Who's watched a movie that isn't I've the one we're talking about? I've watched, I've watched a movie. Oh, uh, Jackson, what have you watched? I've watched uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Ah. And on Which... this insignificant planet, <laughs> all life <laughs> has been snuffed out. <laughs> <laughs> which I adored. Uh, I thought it was amazing. Um, the first f- half is like, it's fine. It's not incredible. But then um, it kind of reveals itself. Once once they go beneath the planet of the apes, <laughs> as it were, uh, t- it completely took me by surprise. So, the, the, so spoilers for the planet of the apes movies. Um, briefly going to talk about them. Uh, I'll hopefully watch the third one for the next time or maybe more. Uh, but I don't want to keep going. Uh, so the first Planet of the Apes movie, very famous, blah, blah, blah. He finds Statue of Liberty, etc., etc. This one, he didn't really want to be in the movie, so there's another guy who looks exactly like him, but just infinitely less hot. <laughs> um, so he shows up on the Planet of the Apes, which is the future, uh, and is like trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and this time he goes underneath the Planet of the Apes, where it is revealed uh, that there's actually humans who have survived... And they like pray in a cathedral to a massive nuclear bomb, uh, while living in a matte painting of New York. <laughs> also, they're like psychic mutants. Also, they're like psychic mutants, and there's a really long scene where he gets a one-sided psychic interrogation, uh, and the ending is that everyone dies and the bomb blows up and the entire planet is gone. Yeah, uh, it's beautiful. It's one of the most like, uh. You know, weirdly nihilistic films, uh, but I, I I'm not don't usually go for that, but it felt earned. They were so disgusted by the idea of nukes. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it's it's nice to see that. And then there's three more of them, so you know. Yeah, somehow there's three more, and I'm told this is the bad one of the sequels. Uh, uh, really the fifth like one, it. the fifth one's not like great. They have no budget, and no, most people would stop caring by then. But yeah, no, of of the ones like of the four, there's definitely the least of them. Okay, then I'm really excited for what's ahead, because I, I really liked it. Four is uh, a transcendent film that I kind of want to cover on here, maybe, at some point. So I mean, I'll still be watching it in a couple couple weeks, hopefully. Ooh, yeah. we might have to do that, then. Let's go. Oh, okay, that, that can't whole, talk about that. That whole franchise is like, I could write a book. I could People write a have. book, Jackson. I know. I know. I know. But my book would be better. <laughs> <clears throat> I believe you. <laughs> Uh, towards the end of the second movie is when Star Trek meets Planet of the Apes, the comic book crossover happens. What? Yeah. But for reasons that uh, you need to wait until you watch some more movies to talk about. Okay. But the crew of the Enterprise shows up at the Planet of the Apes around this point on accident. Okay. That's adorable. Uh, Yeah, I'll be watching three very soon. Uh, Destiny, you said you watched a movie. I watched a movie with you. Oh, right. We totally did watch a movie. I really yeah. need to start filling out my letterbox again. Yeah, what I movie did you keep forget? forgetting. We watched uh, Sylvia Scarlet from 1935. I believe it's George Cukor. I don't have my... Yes, it is George Cukor. Uh, he was a big melodrama guy um, in like, comedies and whatnot. Any hoozle how. Um <clears throat> it's uh it's the first Catherine Hepburn uh what's Cary his Grant. name? 
Cary Grant movie. Sorry, I don't know why. I could not think of his name. I almost called called him James Cagney. Cary Grant is from, I think he's from Bristol, but he uses like this crazy Cockney accent the whole movie. Uh, and the plot is that <laughs> Catherine Hepburn and her French dad have to move to England and after their mother die, her mother dies and uh, they have no money. So her dad kind of just tries to come up with all these different criminal schemes and then they meet Cockney Cary Grant and he uh, kind of tries to show them the ropes. So like the first half of the movie is almost like cool 1930s gender bending paper moon because she has Yeah, you to- forgot to mention that she dresses up as a boy for this journey to England. <laughs> Essentially just to fit in more with society, because her dad's like, Woof, I travel with a girl, people will be suspicious. So she just they don't cuts have her hair. Women in England. Yeah. <laughs> so she just cuts all her hair off and she's supposed to pass as a boy. Everybody like when I looked up stuff about this movie, people are like, Oh, she's so convincing, but I feel like she's just like her cheekbones are so femme. That I don't understand how people thought that in 1938. But then again, gender was, you know, gender. Uh, or back then. So anyway, uh, and then the last half of the movie is just this weird uh, <laughs> seesaw between really great slapstick and one-liners. And then just like the most overwrought sadness and tragedy. And I don't really understand how like it's just the most uneven movie it's really fun to watch for the performances and the comedy but like everything else about it's just kind of ridiculous what did you think about it em i thought it was not a great movie but i had a really good time watching it it's very silly um i think the first half is better than the second half uh though carrie grant like starting off as like i'm like oh does this movie think that he's like charming and good and realizing that the movie thinks he's like the worst person on earth is good to me uh because uh i think Cary grant is generally slimy and specifically in this movie he turns it up to 11 uh really yes you think he's slimy yeah i always have i don't know what what it is but is it the hitchcock films um no not really because the only one i've seen him in is north by northwest where like He's not he's slimy like, at all. He's not slimy, but he's like, um, he's just like a fuck up in that, in a way that yeah. I think is like good. I really like his performance in that, but I, I've just never liked him. Like, really, um, I, I really got into him through the Hepburn movies, but I like Hepburn Tracy more than Hepburn Grant, like a thousand percent. So, oh, I think he's just so like beautiful, and I, I, oh, I love him. I did not no. realize you felt this way. This is shocking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I thought the movie was really funny. Um, I really need to watch some more George Kukor. Have you seen Adam's Rib, Destiny? Because that's one I really like. No, I don't. Maybe? Which one? What's the plot of that? I get Th- the that is up. That is, uh, Hepburn and Tracy as married lawyers who are, like, in a court case against each other. Mm, um, I don't think I've seen that one. It's very good. Uh, it's just another one of these fucking gender-ass comedies, but I feel like he does these pretty well. I get the whole deal. Tracy Hepburn movies kind of blurred together. Yeah. Uh, we watched this because Destiny's like, oh, he's the guy who did Gaslight. And I'm, and she every time Destiny was like, have you seen that? I was like, yes, we watched it together. She did not remember. <laughs> uh, thus, hilariously uh, reflecting the actual plot of Gaslight. <laughs> yeah. 
I, uh, convincing me that I did not watch Gaslight with you, even though we wa- we literally watched it together. You're like, let's no, like that, that's a Simpsons plot. That's like a yeah. Simpsons joke. <laughs> yeah, it is very much so. I just, I just sometimes I remember the movies more than I remember the context around watching them. That's just the you know, um, uh, what's it, the Rashomon thing? Where it's like you like Rashomon. That's not how I remember it, but for Gaslight. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. That's all I watched movie wise. I mean, I watched some anime movies, but we talk about that on the anime podcast. So, uh, the curse of having way too many podcasts. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I did rewatch for all mankind. Uh, the uh, documentary about uh, going to the moon, which was transcendent as always. To it's such use a that good word movie. Again. It's so beautiful. It's so 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 beautiful. Oh my god. Just a bunch of nerds coming back from space, completely transformed. I I could listen to them talk about it all day long. The moon. The moon! Check the it moon. out! Alright, uh, with that I think we should get into our main movie here. Uh, which is Election, uh, directed by Alexander Payne. It came out in 1999. It stars uh, Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick and uh, was filmed in my high school, which was is more disorienting than I was expecting. Uh, this movie was not a success when it came out uh, because it's a weird-ass dark comedy and nobody wanted those in 1999, I guess. Um, but has since gone on. I mean, it was well reviewed at the time, and I feel like it's become like a cult classic. And uh, Jackson, you picked this. You want to talk about why? Yeah, I watched this a few years ago, and I ended up really liking it. Uh, and I just wanted to, you know, wanted to wanted to see it again, see if it held up. I uh, wanted to see if you'd enjoy it. Um, so we did it for the podcast, and there's no no real deep, uh, no deep secret there. I just enjoyed the movie and wanted to see it again, and it totally did hold up. So I'm glad we we did it. Okay. <laughs> do you want to tell I, me I, what I, the movie's about? <laughs> I, can, I can do that as well, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, the movie is about Mr. M. What's his name? What's his name? I forgot his name. My Jim name is McAllister. Jim. Jim? Is it Jim? Yes. yes. Matthew Broderick. <laughs> yes. Ferris Bueller. Um, as just what if the worst man was the protagonist of a Mountain Goats song? Uh, as he is a teacher uh, who has a, been a teacher for 12 years, uh, just a nice teacher, likes everyone, or so he thinks. Uh, and uh, Tracy Flick is uh, this overachieving student uh, who is going to be president because no one else is running and she's going to be the best and she's, you know, she's just one of those. And something gets into his head and is so irritated by this uh, that he uh, is going to make someone, uh, someone else run uh, run for the election so they can beat her. Uh, this is also like driven by the fact that he's extremely horny and can't admit it, right? Like he is. Well, the, the, yeah. The thing that happens here is uh, the year before she was in a relationship with his best yes. friend, or his his only friend, seemingly who was another yes. teacher, and uh, he mishandled that and got caught and. Um, got like thrown out and his wife divorced him and he's gone and Matthew Broderick's character is resentful of that but also puts in his head that this is the kind of person that a 17 year old Tracy Flick is um which really throws his life for a loop because he reads her over eagerness as like oh she's coming on to me because he's a fuck up and a dumbass 
Yep. And this sets in motion a chain of events of multiple people running for this election. Yeah, because uh, th- his main goal is, I have to make sure she doesn't win, otherwise we'll have to fuck, and then my life will be over. <laughs> Which is the biggest logical leap I've ever seen. Yeah. This fucking guy. He's the <laughs> worst. He's the worst. Uh, and the way it... Uh, and <laughs> his prophecy ends up coming true, but from a completely different angle. Uh, it's very good. Uh, so it's, so there's the other main characters are Paul, who is like a nice rich guy, uh, who's just like the he's the you know the f- football quarterback and he, everyone likes him and he's and he's a and he's happy. a he's a dope but he is genuinely the nicest person on earth. I love I, him. I he's, hate. I love him and I hate him. He's I love precious. him. Precious. I mean, he's precious, but ah. Oh. He's Imagine so... being able to be that free of everything. <laughs> I know, but he's, like, so good about it. Like, he's not a... I know! He's... Doesn't it just drive you insane? <laughs> not really. I don't know. Because he's not successful. Like, he, he, he gets a lot handed to him, but, like, at the same time, he has a lot of setbacks that kind of keep him humble, weirdly. Like, he breaks his leg and he treats it as if, <laughs> you know... So funny. It's going to permanently... <laughs> scar his entire life and he's so nice to all the other characters who are just like so bitter and <clears throat> focused on everything all the time he's just like i'm just going through whatever i brought my leg it's fine i got lots of friends oh well, this other girl wants to be friend uh, wants to be my girlfriend that's good and everyone else is just seething like his well, sis his sister's ob- seething oh sorry sorry he's oblivious like he's, he's just oblivious. oblivious and i don't think that makes him hateable it's very dopey like he's real stupid but uh, <laughs> I don't think it, it doesn't really gather my contempt. It just, it just makes him seem funnier. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Maybe I mean, I don't actually yeah. <laughs> gather my contempt. It's just like, that's what the movie's about, right? It's all these people being in this guy's orbit uh, as he's just being nice to everyone the whole time. Oh yeah. No, it's very, very well performed by uh, Omaha native Chris Klein. <laughs> and then the, the, the other character running in the election is um, uh, his... Uh, his adopted sister Tammy um, <laughs> who gets in the election uh, as like a way to get back at her ex because so she's um, she's gay and has uh, has a relationship with a girl but she's really clinging t- too much uh, so her her, uh, her girlfriend breaks up with her uh, but then immediately gets with Paul in order to like get back at her Paul just completely misses all of this just doesn't even see any of it. It's like, oh, I guess I've got a girlfriend now. That's really good. Why does my sister hate me? What's happening with this election? Uh, and a lot of chaos ensues from this. Um, the movie. Uh, the other. The other plot line is that also while this is all happening, uh, Jim is trying to have an affair with uh, the wife of his best friend who has moved away. Yeah, it's the his one ex-wife. Fuck Tracy. Yes. Yes. Uh, definitely his ex-wife now yeah uh yeah he he and his wife are trying to have a baby and they're in this like uh polite but sort of substanceless marriage and he kind of like he says everything's great we've never been closer but then like everything around them is just like they never seem to have real conversations uh their entire marriage seems focused around impregnation which isn't happening so that's like causing this like strain that they don't address really and so he just kind of slowly becomes more and more consumed with uh tracy as a sexual object 
And then this friend kind of, like, at first he's projecting a lot of his, like, feelings about Tracy onto her. And then she starts to kind of seduce him. And then when they start having the affair, it's it, it's very like uh, the postman always rings twice. But if everyone in it was just like <laughs> lower middle class Nebraskans. <laughs> yep. I guess they're not lower. They're like upper middle class Nebraskans. I don't know if I would say that. I feel just, like. The like, only it's, character. It's inter- Oh, Sorry, ahead. you talk, you talk. No, okay, I was going to uh, say the only character that reads as wealthy is Paul's family, but go Yes, on. Uh, but the thing with that is, like, you know, like, he might be, like, a well-accomplished teacher, and she's, like, in nursing school, but, like, everyone drives the shittiest cars on Earth, and they live in, like, these relatively, like, older, slightly run-down houses with just the ugliest wallpaper anywhere. And the thing, like, watching this movie, I was like, I don't remember any house looking like this when I was growing up. Like, they all look way older than any house around here, despite the fact that they are literally filmed in, like, I drive by this school every day going to work. Uh, Like, at the beginning where he's running on the track, I literally pass that morning and afternoon every day and it's really weird uh to see all that stuff and then see the the world of 1999 did not look like this and the ways in which it's like deliberately meant to throw back to like a older more conservative time i know that like the books is this is based on is like supposed to be kind of about the 1992 presidential election in abstract but i feel like the at least the movie is as interested in like strange gender stuff that it is like the dynamics of the election. I think the election part is kind of just a red herring to uh, the bullshit of people's relationships. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I I think changing the setting of the book. The book is set in New Jersey, and uh, yeah, is clearly just just like way more of a political intrigue allegory like like i'm using these terms very very loosely because the plot's not that different but i feel like yeah the movie's way more interested in painting this portrait of like a specifically uh midwestern ennui (laughs) uh because like a lot of the movies like a lot of the characters it's they all state because a lot of okay so the movie's told with voiceover, just constantly shifting voiceover perspective, um, with more characters than you'd think, and uh, something they always seem to vocalize is their like dreams and aspirations. Like nothing's good enough for them. The only person that's like content with their life, on the face of it, at first, is Mister McAllister. Uh, he's like, I'm working my dream job and. He's just like the slightly popular teacher, or he's not a slightly popular teacher, he's but a, like he's a very popular teacher. Yeah, he's super popular, but like that's just that's the hype for him. But when you're like visually, I feel like the movie betrays so much of it, and you're supposed to like feel sorry for him and kind of be like, "Really, this is it? This is it for you?" Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of that, like in the voiceover itself, which I assume is like coming from the novel, right? There's lots of characters stating one thing that's obviously false for comic effect and i feel like that they go in by adding visuals to that on another level oh god my favorite uh layering of that is tammy talking about her relationship with what's the girl's name lisa yes because it's really obvious that like lisa's only in this 
for the experimentation and it's like something she wants to keep secret and tammy's just like no we're in love this was we were meant to be uh and then there's all this footage of like lisa just being appalled when tammy's going all in and she's just like it's super intense and this is the most important thing ever in the love of my life and it's obviously like not an unusual trait in teens like that's every feeling i had in high school uh tammy was the character that i was like oh she'd be my best friend if we were in high school together um but yeah like all of the things that betray that visually oh i laughed out loud uh, what, do we, what do we want to talk about now? Which bit do we want to go to? Um, because we haven't talked about the whole movie. We haven't really talked about where it ends up going. Uh, which is obviously the, uh, Mr. M's affair with uh, his best friend's ex-wife immediately blows up on his face, like, within two hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his wife finds out. Like, she tells his wife when they sleep yep. together, and he's kind of... Uh, <laughs> he starts... Essentially, uh, he plans those DMs. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. So he goes to her house because they were supposed to meet at a motel and she didn't show up. And he's like hanging out in the backyard looking for her. And he's, uh, she's got like this huge fucking garden. And a bee gets on his eye and like, uh, like near his eye and stings him. And his face swells up really bad. So then he has to, like, return to work with this weird swollen face and, uh, you know, he comes home. Or not, wait, I'm doing it backwards. Okay, so then the next day after his wife's found out and kicked him out of the house and he's living in this hotel and he can't even get, like, a toothbrush, you know, it's the day to count the votes. And there are these hilariously overzealous students (laughs) Who are like, one of them's Larry, and he's the election chairman, and he counted the votes, and this is how many votes there were. And uh, this is after, by the way, Tammy gets uh, shipped off to an all-girls school because yes. <laughs> she's just... All-girls Catholic school. That scene's amazing when, the sh- when they're like, we're going to have to send you to our, uh, whatever, Immaculate, immaculate Heart. Immaculate Heart. <laughs> and she just bursts out laughing, and she's like... <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, and then, so, (laughs) he decides, when he knows that Tracy has the winning amount of votes, he decides to throw a few away, because there's only one vote difference between her and Paul. Uh, Which, for the record, is Paul, who gets a voiceover saying he feels it's wrong to vote for himself, so he votes for Tracy. Yes. (laughs) Because he's that nice. Scenes in the movie with him are the ones where, like, okay, well, one, there's that scene where they're all like gathered in the uh, principal's office because it's discussed when Mr. McAllister's voting fraud is discovered. They bring him into the, uh, they call in Paul to tell him he's no longer the president, and he says the first thing out of his mouth when he sees them all there, and they're like, "We've got some bad news. Is this about Tammy?" <laughs> and then also. Uh, there's a scene where there, there's like a montage of everyone saying their prayers the night before the election. And like, uh, what does Mr. McAllister pray for? He prays for, uh, I can't remember. I think he just wants, um, Tammy, not, not Tammy, uh, Flick not to win the election. Yeah. Is that what he prays for? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then Tracy prays for, you know, like victory and. 
Well, I don't think he's in the prayer montage. I think oh, it's you know just what? the kids. He's not. Yeah, I think it's, you're right. Because it starts with Tracy being like, you have to let me win this election. And then yes. it's Tammy being like, um, I, I'm going to Catholic still, so I'm going to start practicing prayers. Can I have some leather pants? <laughs> <laughs> Can I be friends with Madonna? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that being prefaced by, it's clearly obvious that Tracy and Tammy never pray and are only praying now because they want something. <laughs> and then it cuts to Paul, who uh, is, uh, is obviously like someone who prays every night before bed <laughs> and is asking for like, Forgiveness for his sins. And Whatever they may they be, because he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know who they are. And just like, oh, please look out for Tammy. I'm worried about her. And, oh, you know, what? it's in your hands who wins this well, yeah, election. He, he, he specifically says, uh, I'll, I'll be happy with whoever wins because I know you'll pick the best person for the job. Which is... And one of the, one of the best visual jokes in the movie is the, because all of these are having, like, pull-out shots. And Paul's goes so far. They've clearly built a set like three times the size of a bedroom, because <laughs> the walls go up forever as it just pulls further and further out. And I didn't still catch the size that. of a really bedroom. Funny. It's 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 so funny as it keeps pulling up as he keeps doing this prayer. It's really good. Oh God, yeah, he just this. I don't know that character just cracked me the hell up. He seems so real to me. <laughs> I feel like I've known that guy. <laughs> just, I got such a kick out of him. <laughs> Tammy and Paul were my favorites. <laughs> uh, the oh, thing yeah, I man. like is that in the election count, Tammy has already been kicked out of school by admitting to doing something that Tracy did, which is tear down all of Paul's election posters. And so she's not allowed to run like they cross out her name, but she does get more votes than either of them. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because <laughs> her thing was just going up to uh, the... Um, the the big everyone make their speech for the election and first off Tammy's speech is like very good and fine and rehearsed and she gets the polite applause of someone who's done this right. She also does a very like pitch point like presidential style speech where she's like talking about average school children she, that she yes, she like she like calls out classmates who like are disadvantaged as like a fucking pulpit speech because she sucks so much. <laughs> she it, sucks it's so, much. so funny because I can hear the Obama in her voice. You know, like I talked to Bob Smith, whose mother can't afford his <laughs> notebooks. And, yeah, she oh, was extremely. I took all the speech classes as it's a kid. So fucking funny. But then Paul has his speech, and it's clearly not written by Paul. It's written by Lisa, who's the PR person who's like his campaign him. manager yeah, yeah. Uh, which I, I like is a nice touch i don't mention it but it's very clearly he didn't write this so the speech does have like some flourish in the writing but he just gets up and is like the most high school thing i've ever seen <laughs> where what he, he does he doesn't lift the microphone up from tracy's height <laughs> so he leans down to it and he's like I will run for the school election. It will be good. I I hope that you can all get behind me and we can make the school better for everyone and that will be uh, the thing that should happen. And then, like, everyone just kind of looks silently and Mr. M has to force a clap. Uh, and then uh, Tammy gets up and is like, yo, this sucks. No elections. If I'm uh, elected, I will immediately disband the student government because then we won't have to sit in this fucking assembly anymore. And everyone is stoked. <laughs> uh, which leads to some of the secret funniest uh, scenes in the movie with the um, principal who's like, she made fools of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that part cra- That's the thing that cracks me up. Okay, so the overzealous campaign, uh, or excuse me, election 
Chairman Larry and that other kid that he's always with, uh, when they're counting the votes, like, Paul calls them out and he's like, this isn't, we're not electing the fucking Pope, stop taking this so seriously. But then, like, the principal treats it like, that bitch, she, she, she's making fools of us, and just, it's so funny how seriously everyone takes this very, very inconsequential, like, everything Tammy says is right, like, the, whoever's elected is not going to change anyone's life in a real way, it only matters for the, re- like, the college application of the person who wins, like, she's absolutely right. Uh, like, when we were sitting here watching this, we were talking about, like, our student government in high school, just me and M respectively, and, like, we don't, we barely remember, like, if anything was actually done, the voting process was, like, way more low-key, <laughs> like, it just wasn't <laughs> important. <laughs> and, uh, uh, the fact that everyone around them just treats this like it really is a presidential election cracks me up. She made fools of us out there. <laughs> oh, according to Wikipedia, Alexander Payne was told that this is President Obama's favorite political film. <laughs> it's very funny. Sorry, I was not prepared for that. What? I want to know the what? analysis. Yeah, it just says that's just on Wikipedia. I have no source for this, but uh, I think that's really funny. That's also, so it's, it's also based on a uh, actual thing that happened where a pregnant girl got homecoming queen and when, and the staff, like, covered it up. I bet that happens every it, six months at a school somewhere. <laughs> right? But, yeah, well, she got caught. Hold on. Yeah. There's a whole Huffington Post, like, 15 years later retrospective of uh, election that maybe we'll put in, like, our show notes or something. Anyway, um, that's where the Obama thing comes from. But yeah, no, that's really interesting. I just, his, Paul's like, uh, what's the word I want? Just seething misogyny is, was surprising in this movie. Like, do you guys remember the marketing for this film? Mm, I remember it mostly being marketed as like, uh, him versus her is like a, like, uh, like just like a rivalry about it, it wasn't clear what especially what it was about but it definitely played as more like even a madcap like adults versus kids kind of like like rivalry and yes. not the thing because like the two barely interact and most of it is him projecting all this stuff onto her in a way that was definitely never sold in the marketing materials um the darkness but... of the film is definitely hidden in a lot of the like mar- marketing stuff I saw, at least as far as my memory serves. Yes, uh, it's just really weird. Um, but yeah, because uh, yeah, his reasoning behind hiding the votes is just he's mad to see her happy. Yeah, I yep. mean, by then he's projected her success onto everything that's gone wrong in his life, right? This is true. Because the whole thing starts because he, he's like, oh, she's going to try to sleep with me and I can't have that. It'll ruin my perfect life. And then his life falls apart anyway. And it's very easy to put that on her and not his dumbass. And yep. the thing that's we, like funny about this, like in the long, like denouement of the movie is they're the exact same type of fucking nerd. He just can't get over like who she is as like a chipper young girl with lots of potential to see that they should be like best friends. Yes. That's, yeah. That's what I love about this movie. They're the same person. Yes. <laughs> yes. They would really get along like she's way more 
like you know go get her about it because she's got an overachieving there's a reveal later on where you see uh uh, her mum just be like oh maybe you should have taken my advice for the speech and it's so perfect fuck you i was like mom shut up this is how this happened fuck you uh but like aside from that like they're very similar people they both just like want their life to go well and are very immediately willing to like get bitter about other people rather than to interrogate things themselves and so there's a version of this movie that isn't as dark as this that ends with them becoming friends and she loses the election and he doesn't get what he wants and they both realize they could just be nice to people um thankfully that's not the movie they made but they did that it is aware of that connection between them i think yep uh because they're both linked by this uh, caring about things that just don't matter. Uh, this is very tellingly re- like revealed in the fact that they both end up after uh, everything in New York City, and like you know their lives have taken completely different courses. He <laughs> becomes a uh, like educator guide at the uh, Museum yeah. of Natural History, and she kind of well she goes to georgetown and she's the most cop college student ever uh but like also you kind of feel where she's coming from because she's like i thought it would be this meeting of the minds and it's just a bunch of spoiled rich kids who never like had to fight for anything and she's like i'm a fighter and so i kind of like that about her uh but at the same time, yeah, she's like yelling at the whole floor to be quiet so she can sleep, and it's hilarious. And she's like, she's like, a like an aide to like the fucking Republican trash ass senator from Nebraska. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. And oh, yeah, so yeah, she becomes kind of important. Like the last time he sees her, after all this happens, is she's getting into a limo with the guy, and uh, he doesn't see it as like. Because, like, in any other movie, and if I believe so, at the end of the book also kind of has this, like, uh, he's just shitting on her. He's like, well, who does she think she is with her perfect little life? And uh, she's got to be bored and sad. And, you know, I'm glad I'm in a better place. I'm in the city of dreams. And I've... I'm the true American experiment in action with my new life in New York City. And... Uh, he, she's in a limousine. <laughs> and he throws I, his cup at her and it's a car. Gratefully, it's 1999 and not 2002. Otherwise, he'd be shot and arrested. Yeah, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, he's white, so he'd be arrested. Because, um, like, right, I, the, the thing that was funny to me is that he runs away, like, towards the White House. And I'm like, oh, right. You could just, like, used to look at the White House. There was just, like, a small fence around it and not, like, a concrete barrier and snipers. Oh, right. Yes. Sorry. I They weren't in New York through this part. They both had moved to New York, but they yeah. ran into each other in D.C. My bad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, the, but- the movie has an alternate ending that, like, they found way later that, like, is him staying in Omaha as a used car salesman. And she meets him and they, like... She has him sign his her yearbook, and they do kind of like uh, you we know, are the same um, person. Yeah, yes, the, the, that. the book has um, like he's a car salesman in the. He, that's how the book ends too. There's I, no. I really like the movie's ending. Me yes. too. I think it's much better. I think because I, I I think that the idea of like he does it, he gets over himself, he finds a better life, he he does all the things to fix it, like he's seemingly honest about his relationship, like it's, it's not fake, he has actually done the right things, and take responsibility is the wrong word, but he has made his life measurably better and not just tried to, you know, stay in Omaha and make everyone else's life worth by remaining there, and 
despite all this, at the moment he sees it, it just all comes back. It like yes. all instantly comes back like a switch. Well, I mean, uh, the whole so thing funny. is like he he talks about how great it is to move to New York and reinvent himself, but it's over a montage of footage of New York in the seventies. Like it's just the New York he grew up envisioning <laughs> yes, when he was yes. in school. <laughs> that uh, is the then, funniest shit in the world. I'm <laughs> sorry. Can we just then, like, give a real, shout out? Real? Oh, you go. Uh, give a shout out to that cutaway where he's like, "I moved to the city of dreams," and yes, every single bit of footage. And I'm sure it was just for one. Mo- mainly for budgetary reasons, because that footage you could probably just get for free from an archive. But yeah, it's like people with afros walking around in the city, and it's clearly 30 years older than that movie. And it's so funny to me. And yes, it totally fits in with this idea of him being an Omahaan who who only knows about the big city through pop culture. But then it like, Cuts to one of the funniest bits of this montage is where it cuts to the real ass 1999 rent payment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, here's my apartment. It's $1,500 a month in rent. And I'm like, Jesus. Well, the thing that was funny is Destiny's like, is that supposed to be high? And I was like, yes. (laughs) It was a long time ago now. (laughs) 20 years ago. Yeah, it's such a small apartment too. Like it's like the tiny little kitchen, and (laughs) it's like a single room. It's like the Blues Brothers flop house that they're in. I assume these are just real. Like like that's just how New York is. Like, please, New Yorkers, hit us up. How common is the one room apartment? Uh, I mean, I assume less common now. No, no poor people live in in the city anymore. Yeah. I don't think that's true, but sure. I just mean I hear a lot about people getting like you know landlords oh. tell the turn the buildings tear the buildings down build them for the rich people. That's how it oh, goes. Yeah, no, that's very true. common. It's yeah, everything on the too. island has been gentrified to shit. So mm. yeah, but I still would like actual New Yorkers to write in, <laughs> not just us who don't know yeah. shit about anything. Yeah, I mean, we listen to a lot of podcasts. I know so much about both San Francisco and New York <laughs> I City. Know, but I, that's. <laughs> Not the same thing as living in a place. <laughs> it's just not. I've read so many tweets about New York. I've basically lived there. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sick of it. I've never even been there. <laughs> I want to live there at least for like a month. At least in the seventies. Ju- just to have the story. Oh, I wouldn't survive a day in the in the seventies. Uh, we were oh. asked last time if we would go to seventies New York, and I'm fairly sure you said yes. I would, but I would be immediately stabbed or something. You know it, because uh, I, I I can't outrun anyone. I'm I'm terrified. Uh, oh, um, <laughs> speaking of a place. Okay, so we live, you know, in the literal city where the movie takes place, Omaha, Nebraska, and its surrounding areas. Um, so M went to high school where the movies, like, the school is filmed. Like, you know, obviously not the same mascot, not the same school name. But, uh, so when I Same colors, that, though. Sorry? Same colors. They did keep yeah. the purple and gold. I had a feeling the colors were the same. Uh, I thought it was more of a maroon and gold. Yeah, it's maroon. Okay. Oh, uh, my uh, school was also maroon. Go on. I was just saying maroon. I had, I had to wear a big, ugly maroon blazer with an owl on it. What was your, what was your mascot? The owls? Yeah, the owl. We, we don't really have mascots in the same way in the okay, UK. Yeah. Our mascots for my our high school was the monarchs, like the butterfly, because it's the city of Papillion, which is just south of uh, Omaha. God. We were we were the vi- 
Vikings, and we were blue and gold. Um, but you were saying <coughs> this is basically my high school. I was not. I was in junior high when this was filmed. I remember friends talking about the shooting of this that were slightly yes. older than me. I had friends on Twitter uh, sending me tweets like, well, yeah, I'm in the movie. I am sitting behind Reese Witherspoon on the bus. Uh, <laughs> and the crew was really mean to us. <laughs> and uh, I hate the movie. Uh, so that that was fun. Uh, and then, like, knowing that a lot of people... Because essentially what Payne does is he'll film parts of his movie in Omaha. Not the whole films, but just a lot of them. And, uh, hold on, I'm sorry. There's something going on with my stupid computer. All right. So anyway, he'll, like, do local casting along with, you know, national casting. So a lot of the actors are just people from Omaha. Um, the uh, the low-key thing with every Alexander Payne movie shot here is everyone gets very excited about the idea of it and then goes to see it and it's an art movie and then hates the movie <laughs> every single time. This every is, time. Uh, I feel like Nebraska and about Schmidt got a lot of love. So, but that was after like he had kind of blown up. This movie, yeah, that movie, like, that movie got like Oscar nominations and stuff. Like that was a popular movie. Mm-hmm. But this is a movie that, like, if you, I imagine the trailers make this look like a normal movie. <laughs> yes, well, the trailers make it look like a fun sort of like almost like the high school comedy. antagonistic, yeah, relationship between like Bill Murray and uh, Jason Schwartzman and Rushmore come to mind because that mm-hmm. was kind of around the same era. Um, the thing I think of is the ways in which everyone in Omaha lost their minds about a lot of up in the air taking place here, despite the fact it doesn't show off the like city at all, and well, the ways in which everyone kind of bounced off the this because I remember everyone I, my age seeing Election when it came out because it you know was shot in our high school and then hating the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, which is why I didn't see it for years. Yeah, I didn't see it for years either, which is weird because I actually like alexander payne i mean i haven't seen maybe his last handful of films but i always have a good time when i watch them but yeah i feel like also the city we love it when like george clooney's in town you know because uh, he'll like do weird little things for the city and uh alexander payne will do like events here where he'll bring like Julianne Moore and she'll come to the theater and downtown and talk and lecture and it's like a whole thing uh but yeah watching this movie was hilariously it was distracting how I don't and, and I don't have okay I've lived here my whole life I like it I'm gonna die here but I don't usually consider myself like that person that's like my city's the best city ride or die I'm not that person, but this whole movie, we would just like talk over the film to go, oh my gosh, that's where we drive past that every day. And oh, it's yep. it's the Woodman Tower. Did you see the Woodman Tower? Or are they in a Perkins? They're in a Perkins. They're eating at Perkins and like uh, pointing out things around the school building. And, yeah, and the, <laughs> the thing, thing for me was the accumulated psychic damage of seeing my teenage years through the background of this movie. Um, oh, I fucking bat. Because <laughs> the only thing that the movie had like fakes about my high school is we didn't have a dark room. That was just like a closet in a science lab. Uh, 
And like where the principal's office was, was moved because it was easier to film in that room than the actual principal's office. But like, that's just my high school. I've been in, I've been in that gym. I've been in that auditorium. I've been in those classrooms. I've been in those halls. Like that's surreal. Walk like they walk past the place where I heard about nine 11. They walk past where me and my friends hung out where there isn't a giant trash can in the movie, but there is a giant trash can when I was there as a kid. Uh, just like years of where me and my friends who, you know, the fraught relationships of high school went through so much stuff together, seeing that just as these actors that I recognize go through them um, is really strange uh, because it, it's, it's shot so accurately in such a weird way. Like at the beginning of the movie, it shows him like on the track, just running before school starts. And, uh, that hill like overlooks like the gas station where I, I don't get gas because it's too expensive, but drive by every day. <laughs> like it's just so <laughs> weird. It's so weird. I've never had a movie reflect my actual life so violently. Um, but also the interior of everyone's house looks t- like 10 years too early. Like I don't remember any house looking like that. The thing like the big weird fake uh like housing development mansion that Paul lives in with his family, which I I think is probably like the like realty like main house that isn't like no one lives there i think it's probably an office and the interior shot somewhere else is my guess of like a neighborhood association yes yeah Yeah. that's because the outside of that the outside of that is not a house that is a thing that's meant to look like a house but is a business place yeah Um, no that is clearly not a real house but that that like new growth development of like these boring boxy houses is everyone who lives just slightly south of us uh my experience growing up because i live in this poorer part of this neighborhood and there's like a bougier part of this neighborhood um and that's just what it was it's so weird to just see that all thrown back at me like early on tracy goes to a godfather's pizza which is literally literally a three minute walk from where i'm sitting right now and gets hit on by her teacher and i remember going there for like banned pizza pizza lunches in junior high um (laughs) it's just weird (laughs) i was gonna say like i live it i lived in a completely different part of the city uh in this era of life so when you were over here i was in the northern part of omaha which is just completely different way more urban way less suburban um, like there are suburbs, but it's like really, really old part of town. Yeah, it's much older. Yeah, the majority of people here are black or Latino. So like it, it's it's even like a bougier part of the city in my mind's eye. So like, uh, yeah, uh, it and I I think it like I don't I I keep going back to this, but just like the sort of not dingy. What's the word I want? There's something very like hilarious to me about just how midwestern this movie is like there's, yeah, there's just like where... a, there's like a certain like rundown like slightly lower class quality to the whole thing which i don't think reflects the reality here like things could be a little busted like it is anywhere but like See? everything feels everything feels like one generation away from a farmhouse in a way that's not the reality <laughs> and also is just also like i could like okay so when the movie started we were sitting there and we were like how much of this is irony and how much of this is just the movie being 20 years old? Uh, In what sense? <laughs> uh, because of just, like, the fashion. Like, there's a very the, the funny way, scene. Specifically the way that the, the, the adults' houses are, like, shown to you feels well, like it's meant to, like, to me feels like it's, it's meant to be, like, a uh, like a send-up of, like, 60s, like, housewife, cons- like, consumerist well, culture. 
Yeah, 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 that's it. And then, like, okay, so not just the houses, but, like, the way the people dress and, like, the things that are considered, like, sexy. Like, uh, okay, so the uh, woman who Paul sleeps with, uh, Linda is her name. It's his wife's friend and his... Who Jim sleeps with, not Paul. <laughs> oh, excuse me, sorry. I keep saying Paul when I want to say Jim, and I'm very sorry. Okay, Damn. so anyway, <laughs> the names are so interchangeable. Uh, Jim sleeps with Linda and her character, she's a single mom, you know, she, uh, her ex was the, uh, teacher that Tracy slept with. And there's this, like, hilarious seduction where there's, like, a close-up of her high-rise mom-jeaned ass. And I know that's just, like, the style at the time. And it was a little bit dated because low-rise jeans were coming in to Vogue. Uh, but, you know, she's a mom. So, like, that I feel like tracked even in 1999 as, like, a kind of a joke of, he finds us attractive, but it's because he's a Nebraskan. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> does this make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of... I was assuming, because I, I don't have the specificity about, like, the interior design or whatever, but I was assuming a lot of the movie was doing, like, you know, parodies of 80s high school um, anime. Fuck off, Jackson. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, high school comedies, right? Matthew Broderick running to work with a toast in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, right. um, uh, you know what? He'd, he'd, be, he'd be so much happier. Well, yes. there's also the that layer of he's Ferris Bueller. He's like yeah, right. the actor that played the coolest high school student in the 80s playing like the worst, like, uh, squarest, like, uncoolest teacher of you know, 1998 or whatever. So what happens when you run someone over? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he came back from that. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, he did. <laughs> this uh, movie was kind of did. a comeback for him. It's really dark. I don't know when that happened. Do you? I think that was before that. that was that in the mid 90s? Oh. I, don't I have know. no idea. I feel like I didn't hear about it until that like in the 80s. Decades later. Exactly. And like, it wasn't his fault, was it? I don't know. I'm not here to relitigate Matthew Broderick's car crash. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've been reading a lot about people that accidentally kill people, and it's very interesting. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, just a lot of the ways, like, seduction is filmed and, like, the idea of, like, uh, uh, there's a really funny scene where he feels really cool driving home from being seduced, where he uh, is... <laughs> Envisioning himself as this cool Italian Fellini character in this nice car and sunglasses and a suit. And he's going, ciao, ciao, ciao. But then it cuts, you know, back to his regular ass used what's, car. What's particularly funny about that scene is that the scene, like, five minutes earlier yes. uh, with uh, Tracy, where she's driving the car, is also filmed on a like back projected image yes the, yeah. process the, the, shot, the, the process the, shot of her is like a weird 70s like paranoid thriller as she's trying to dispose <laughs> over of the torn steering up like crazy yes. like she's <sighs> just like moving the car like a little kid pretending to drive it's so good <laughs> it's gonna be so funny like yeah. it's hard like we're talking about the you know, stuff going on but i was basically laughing every 30 seconds it's, yes, it's hilarious really good. it's very very funny i cannot oh, believe assholes 
thing, the thing I like is, despite the fact that, like, all of the main actors do not, they all feel like they're in their 20s, all the kids, uh, the rest of the high school feels populated by real feeling high school people. Uh, the one I want to shout out most is Jerry, who's running for vice president, who is a kid in a wheelchair, who is self-depreciating in exactly the way I feel like a kid in that situation would be in high school. Perfect. Um, Pitch perfect. He felt he's, he's, realist. He, he's the only person running, and when he gives his speech, he's like, I believe in good government. I will. I can't stand up for you, but I will anyway, which is a, a great line. And then his posters are, Jerry, the only choice, because no one else is running for vice president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah jerry was the realist i feel like i went to high school with jerry i went to high school with tammy i went to high school with lisa <laughs> oh so good so before we've like finished this discussion up what does everyone want to like what do people think the actual core of this movie is because there's a lot of there's like a lot of things going on so i want to so i think i like i said i think that the front of it being about politics and, and you could totally read it that way i think that's genuine but i think the the movie is more interested in the way in which like the power like the the point where we get to flex our choice of who is in charge of something i think mm-hmm. reveals like the ugly reality that everyone's driven by these really backwards uh like sex and gender drives like the part at the end where matthew broderick's working in the museum and it frames his life around flashing to his poses reflected in like the neanderthals in like the feet like these like Serengeti or whatever, as they're like killing antelope, uh, as like <laughs> he's just a dumb animal still who cares about getting laid and self uh, glorification. And I really think that stuff is heady and good. Um, yeah. I I like how much the movie is unflinching about like Tracy, like Tracy's a character who's like kind of annoying, but also I knew that girl and would have been friends with her in high school, and it never puts the onus on her. The onus is entirely on the fact that Matthew Broderick can't get over the fact that she got away, quote-unquote, with fucking his friend who got kicked out of school, because his friend's an adult, and she's 17. <laughs> like, of course they're just gonna keep that quiet and let her go back to school and not talk about it, but he can't get it out of his head as, like, a thing, like a power equalization because to him everyone's still in high school which is a thing that every adult feels like oh i'm still 17 somehow but you have to recognize in these situations you're not you're not you're an actual adult and the power dynamics are there and as a depiction of a character that cannot understand that at all and part of that is because he's in a situation where like the administration sucks in the way every school administration I've ever met sucks. Uh, and the situations can be petty and dumb in the way that like your workplace can be petty and dumb, even when it's not a school. Um, I think that stuff is really good and really smart. And I was really surprised by it because I was expecting it to be much more focused on actual election shenanigans, like mm-hmm. 90s politics metaphor. And that stuff's there if you want it. But, uh, you know, I like a movie about gender that's smart. And this is one of those. I agree. Uh, I think that's true. I also, I I think that there was more going on about like class stuff than I expected, um, mm-hmm. because and not in not necessarily in the politics stuff, but just in the way that like uh, all of Mister M's like insecurity uh, comes from like his gender and also his like you know position in the world. Right, like he is just a teacher who wants who clearly thinks that by being a teacher he should have some kind of like control over his domain and is not it's his children you can't yes. you know you don't actually it's not a fucking power trip even but also teacher... like 
uh, Tracy's like fragility comes from, she is also of this class and she's been raised to say that like, if you have a nice note, like if you keep your house clean enough and you smile enough, you will be able to be a rich and powerful person. And both of these people like just go so hard on these drives and the way it contrasts with, um, Paul, who is absolutely not in this class and doesn't have those pressures and is just able to be a normal person, uh, is very funny. Um, and I think when the movie's playing that stuff up was the stuff it, that surprised me on the rewatch. Because like, the gender stuff was like very immediately obvious last time, but I, I have, in the past few years, gotten more aware of class stuff in movies. Uh, and I ended up really liking that. Uh, I thought it was very good and smart. It's good. I don't have anything else to say. I just, I just love the way this movie's done. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking at the script, uh, one of the drafts of the script to find the, like, Jerry's name, because it wasn't in the Wikipedia thing. I was like, I need to find that kid's name. And this will only matter to Destiny, but I think it changes, like, a lot about the movie. This uh, this third draft of this script is set in Millard, Millard High. Oh. Which is a really different choice because the school that this is filmed in, playing La Vista, is on the outskirts of Omaha. It's in a weird place where La Vista is like kind of older and lower class. And at least back in the 90s, Papillion was new development, higher class. It's where the people on the Air Force Base had enough money to not live on the Air Force Base live. Um, but Millard is was just a higher like it was the it was the bougie part of the suburbs it depends on which like part of people. millard yeah I will, just knowing people that have gone to both the like upper crust yeah, like, but, my friend used to call the two high schools one is the coke school and one is the pot school yeah but <laughs> um, millard like the, a, a, a film like this set in millard is about these characters trying desperately not to reveal how poor they are in their workplace and like school setting and that's not the case where it's shot now no, it's, not it's at all. It's really interesting yeah. to me. I don't um, know. And I also think, like, the specificity, is that how you pronounce that? Is, is it, I think it's more just about it being, like, the flat Midwest where it's, like, if you aren't from there, it might seem weird for people to even put on airs about class. I, that, that sounds condescending, but I think that's, like, a lot of people's view. I mean, class is everywhere. Class yeah, that's a secret. Yep. Well, no, I, I obviously agree with that. I mean, people that. are absolutely condescending about the Midwest, right? Like, we've yeah. literally, yeah. there's a tweet every five five minutes about mm-hmm. how. Oh, well, yeah, and I think that, you know, that is part of the humor of the movie, but I I also think that it uh, interrogates a lot of that among Midwesterners as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's someone from here shooting here when all of the like outside areas are like, this is just a nice wooded area and not a cornfield because that's what living in Omaha is. It's a lot of nice wooded areas. But then when you're driving down the street, you can just see that when it's not a press site, you can just see down the street for miles, just like endless stores, uh, which I like because that's just every street in Omaha. They're straight as shit and they go forever and it's just endless stores up against the streets. Yeah. yeah, It's good good to say that because I feel like this movie is very unique. Uh, Mostly in terms of my limited experience, right? Like, but for me, it's very unique movie in a sense of place to me because i've seen movies like set in the midwest right yes uh, 
but the the sense of like a place where you can just see for miles because it's flat and built this way and it's just absolutely nothing like anywhere i've ever lived yeah. Um, eh, you know, kind of a bit like where I'm living now. <laughs> yeah. no, the, new, the new development where Paul lives definitely reminds me of your description. It's what I envision when you describe the place you live in now. Yeah, me moving to a new development that's like a mile, a, 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 like forty all, minute drive yeah. from town. Like is, all, the, all like, the houses, all the houses are like nice, but in like this like fake way because they're all new yes. and there's no trees anywhere. Yep, they all yep. look the Correct. same. Yeah, no, the part where I've ended up moving to the British Midwest. Yes. Uh, which isn't a real thing, but they had to invent it because they had to build more houses. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is where all my rich friends lived growing up, and I always thought it was kind of weird and, like, characterless, but their their houses were all really nice. <laughs> these houses are sm- way smaller than the houses in, in that development. This is definitely for poorer people than uh, the mm-hmm. rich people houses in the movie. Uh, um. But the, this is the development I'm in now is definitely one f- very clearly designed for people moving from London up here because we can't yeah. afford London anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, is that it? Did we cover everything? I, I think, think so. so. Okay, we have a question. If you want to send in emails about this movie, any movie you want, you send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. That's podcast at abnormalmapping.com. We love them. Just send them. Just send them. I don't care. If you're like up in the middle of the night and you're like, I want to email in about Bram Stoker's Dracula. You send me that email. I will love you forever. That movie's great. I'll talk about it all day long. Uh, I don't care what it is. You want to talk, you want to talk about the one funny line in Transformers 2, you send us that email. Wait, what? You were both talking about We didn't have part. a tighter shirt. We checked. <laughs> oh. There's there's one funny line in Transformers 2 that me and Jackson like a lot. In a oh. movie that is basically the worst thing I've ever seen. There's just a great line where uh, these uh, jocks are messing with Sam Witwicky and he's like, oh, you couldn't get a tighter shirt uh, because it's the early aughts, so they're wearing very tight polos. And the, the guy's like, right-hand man goes, we don't... There were no tighter shirts. We checked. As like the there's like a slight, a fairly subtle but very obvious uh, like sound effect. It's like the music drops as they fist bump. Yes, like it's, very, it's deliberately synced up. It's the only inspired moment in an awful, awful movie. Yeah, that's um, really funny. Das Vidania. It means goodbye. That's from the third movie. <laughs> that's Transformers Three. Um. God. Anyway, we have one one email from Tron who always writes in. Thank you, Tron. Uh, I'm glad that you are happy that we enjoy the emails. Please never stop. They're so good. Um, yes. So uh, there's a bunch of questions here, as Tron usually does. The first one, what did you think of the soundtrack for this movie? I want to point out uh, the theme song for the Spaghetti Western Navajo Joe gets dropped as Tracy's like raid song <laughs> over and over again, years before it would be used in Kill Bill as like the it's it's the song that plays during the literal climax of that movie, which was very strange to hear here uh, as a choice. But it's very it's good. So funny here. <laughs> Every it's, time it's so good. It really is. Um. Well, uh, any other thoughts on the soundtrack? It's just very well selected music. I don't. I don't really have many like insights. I just think it's really well done. Mm-hmm. It's very of an era. I, they don't make you know nineties mixtape movies were a big thing. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, feel like that's still a thing. But go on. Not like I specifically it was. like the back. I specifically like the background tracks for uh, the like scenes of uh, Tammy hanging out at the zoo with her new girlfriend and. Yes, the uh, the him going to New York. They're just good uh, needle drops of their interior wishes of the world. Definitely. <laughs> 
Um, Tron asked, do you prefer Pepsi or Coke? Because that comes up a lot in this movie. I will drink either. I actually am very much do not have a preference. I'm the same. Do not care. I mean, my preference is that I will have the like full fat versions of either. I don't really drink the diet version. I drink diet. I, I'll drink diet or the the like diet for men versions, whatever. <laughs> right? I don't Coke care Zero which one. Or whatever. Yeah, or uh, Pepsi Max. I'll drink. I, I I just change it up. I just the, they all taste different, but I'll drink all of them, all four of them. I don't I don't drink the full sugar ones. I grew up in a strictly pepsi house for so long that like i don't really like the taste of pepsi but i really really like cherry pepsi um but if presented with a choice between those two i will always air for coke um Mm -hmm. but dr pepper uh is the real answer (laughs) um this question how was reese witherspoon's accent i feel like she comes across as like not quite like a Paris Geller, but definitely doing like a broad parody of this type of character. Um, but also I remember like, I remember kids who were kind of like this, who just bought into I'm this stereotype. Like it feels like exactly the thing, a, a, like a fragile kind of self-conscious, but wants to be the best version of themselves high schooler would do. Is it, was the question acting or accent? Accent, accent. Oh, accent. I don't know. Never really. I don't know. She did fine. She doesn't yeah. sound like. Does she have a southern accent in real life? Like, what's her accent? I oh, I, okay. I just. It, she, she definitely has like a kind of like clipped like 1950s, 60s like heroine in like. Like, she's very like Mary Tyler Moore vibe off of her in this movie. I've been like, to high school. People be putting on dumb voices all the time. <laughs> she just. I, I think she just sounds really okay. Do you remember that scene in Adam's family where uh, Morticia is talking to Wednesday's teacher and she's showing them all the like we had to write to our heroes and some women or some girls picked Barbara Bush and t- uh, Tipper Gore. Wednesday picked uh, Calpurnia Adams or whatever, just like some weird lady that like yeah. you know, killed men or something. Uh, she reminded me of the teacher in that movie. Just like, yeah, there's, really just like a, there's just like a fake PTA like yes. generousness to it all. Yes, like 50s housewife almost, but yes, yes. like a plucky, plucky Nancy Drew type. Less Mary Tyler Moore, definitely sure. more like Donna Reed uh, type of lady. I don't know. Mm. I, it was very funny. Her mom had Trudy Campbell hair. I went to an all-boys grammar school in the UK, so obviously no, the specifics do not carry over at all, uh, but absolutely the, there were like some like both rich kids and also kids who wanted you to think they're richer than they are uh, putting on their like, I am going to be a very proper person voices all the time to the point where that just became who they were. I think uh, it's, for her, it's like not really an idea of a, like, it's more of like a, a powerful person. Yeah, uh, performance. Yeah, like, like she's a go-getter. She's a fighter. Her mom writes to these women, and they give her advice. And you know, to be successful, you kind of have to be lonely. Like, th- th- this is her. Like, she. I, yeah, it, it, it's very Paris Geller to me. Yeah. Um, do you think the social structure of high school is different than the out being out of high school? Um, I would like to point out, I would not, you could not pay me enough money to go back to high school. I was miserable throughout. I think it's a terrible time to be a person. This is one of the worst times of my life and I'm very unhappy now. So like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Uh, I don't, I I, I like things about it, but I don't uh, romanticize any aspect of it. 
Um, do any of you relate to Tammy's struggle with expressing her sexuality? Destiny, do you want to take this one? <laughs> uh, every single uh, aspect of, like, even the conversation where the parents threaten to send her to an all-girls school and she laughs because she's gay and they don't know and they don't get it was a scene from my actual life where that did happen and I did smile and my mom thought she was winning. Uh, I didn't get sent to an all-girls school, but like... Dad, one thing unfortunately. To... <laughs> one thing you have to know is like, the city is 51% Catholic or something. Don't quote me on that, but it's like, there are Catholic schools just everywhere, all over. Just the whole, like, you know. So, uh, that uh, tracks... Um, and also, she's like, gosh, like, my entire high school existence revolved around the unrequited crush. It was, we perfected it. It was like an art form. (laughs) Uh, we were all like, my friend group, just a bunch of like, angsty bisexual poets, you know, who, who, uh, would never ever speak to the people that they had crushes on but then like yeah if you spent like five minutes with someone it was treated like this poetic event that you had to like write poems about for the entire school year you know like a girl smiled at me or no 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 no. a girl hugged me once and I like memorialized it and ritualized like it was just it just became the most important thing uh, in my friend group so like yeah everything she was doing just was so real to me (laughs) like just i i love her we're perfect for each other and we're gonna be together forever and she's the best of the greatest thing that's ever happened to me and thinking that like this is it is is uh i mean it's just how you it's 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 so real to youth (laughs) i i remember um one very awkward moment in high school uh was my high school girlfriend uh i think it it must have been a valentine's day or something but uh, she absolutely gave me the super overwrought poem. And I was very polite and nice about it, but it was very clear that I was not expecting a super overwrought poem and was not a super overwrought poem person. I was, uh, the, I was the overwrought poem person in high school, so... Yeah, me too. I, the scene where Tammy gives, that, uh, gives her the note that's like, if anything happened to you, this, I would die. I'm like, oh, okay, I've done that. <laughs> Did that in eighth grade. Did you have something else, Jackson? No? Nope. Okay. And then one last question from Tron. Uh, what's the most interesting thing you've seen in a vending machine? Uh, I assume because of the sha- the, the saddest <laughs> shaving kit in the world in the hotel vending machine uh, that Jim stays in. In our, um, like, small art theater downtown, there's a refurbished cigarette machine that sells tiny little artworks. And I think that huh. is so cool. I've not been down there since. Uh, that sounds cool. Um, in high school, in this very uh, school right outside the cafeteria, when I was in high school, they floated a test machine for, I don't know if you know Sobe, which does like, like 
juices. They're they're like fake juices, but they're like juices. Um, especially back in the late nineties, early aughts, they were kind of trendy. They they were trying a soda called Mister Green, which was like just a cola with ginseng in it. And we had a test machine in our high school uh, where you could get like the bottle, like twenty ounce bottles for a quarter because they wanted to see if the kids liked it. And I remember fucking hitting that thing up every single day, just get an armful of soda to drink throughout the day. Uh, the ethics of putting a soda machine at very cheap, basically free in a high school, fucked up. But it's the thing yeah. I think of instantly when you ask this question, because I'd drink some Mr. Green right now if it existed. It didn't. They, they did. They briefly brought it out after the <laughs> test thing, and then it went away immediately. Because it's a uh, fucking cola with ginseng in it, marketed at kids. They got you all hooked on ginseng soda? <laughs> soda? Yeah, That's apparently. criminal. I remember, I mean, like, the yeah. thing about starting high school was, like, they have pop machines, because that didn't yes. exist in middle school. So- so, no, our middle school did not have vending machines. So I don't know if you know anything about Jamie Oliver. Yes. A little. Uh, a he's little. the so naked he the, chef. He's the naked chef, and his whole thing was, oh, we've got to get rid of the chips and the stuff in school meals. Uh, and that was right before I went to high school. And basically, they completely, the laws passed and everything, and they completely got rid of anything, you know, any sweet and nice snacks uh, from, from, like, any like the high school cafeteria vending machines people were furious you couldn't get chocolate anymore you couldn't get chips anymore it was fucked there was nothing left everyone that's was so shame. mad you should, i feel like kids year. should be provided healthy snacks free of charge i think that's the actual yeah thing. Not I, we had more expensive bad health food yeah well, like some of the schools like going back to the millard thing didn't they have like a college style cafeteria with like restaurants in it wait what for their high school cafeteria. Like, it was, like, a college-style thing with, like, Oh, little- yeah, so, so our cafeteria was, there was the, like, school lunch cafeteria. There was the school lunch cafeteria salad bar, which was for, like, people who wanted salad. Basically, if you weren't eating fried foods because you were an athlete or something, you ate at the salad bar one. And then we had, like, a vend- we had, like, two vendor kiosks that were, like, pizza and, like, Subway or Arby's or something. That is so um, fancy to me. Like, we just had a cafeteria-ass cafeteria. We had two of them. Uh, Because it was a big school, but like it Uh, was just because like my uh, we went to school in different districts. mm -hmm. So like the Omaha public one, it was very much like there's a there's a vegetable, there's a meat, there's a uh, carb, and then you get like there's a salad option and then like a sandwich option if you don't want those that are a little bit cheaper, and then you could get like ice cream. (laughs) <laughs> um my high school years were my parents had divorced and i was living with my mother and we were in a bad precarious financial situation so i spent a lot of my high school years bumming sandwich like lunches off my friends who had extra so. honestly this is horrible but i always gave away my lunches and i would just eat chips and pop and i feel like that was like the meal and it's very weird <laughs> my life changed in high school when uh i got the gcse age um and when you when you hit year, year 10 you were allowed to leave for lunch you could go to town and do whatever you want everyone got oh. very into jersey fried chicken <laughs> we had an open campus they call that open, open campus here but like okay at my high school but 10 years before i was of age someone was like doing the open lunch thing went out and then some guy like abducted her and murdered her so they stopped doing that at my high school in 1993 and uh didn't bring it back so oh, there definitely wasn't you could not leave <laughs> campus for lunches in yeah my they high school. i'm pretty sure that's like an 
like a thing that they would let you do. So Which kids I think driving. is what they use as an excuse to bring in the vendors because people used to leave a lot. I didn't mm. have I didn't have a car in high school, but a lot of kids did. Yeah, yeah. You, it was weird. you could leave high school. Um, for me, but was lucky because our high school was like literally five minutes from town, or less than like it was like right next to the high street. Um, so that was I'd be able to leave there. That was why you were able to leave that. Uh, I could leave my high my like college my sixth form but that was n- nowhere near anything so you couldn't go anywhere which is the worst curse form of it eventually i did figure out that if you got the exact right train at the right time you could get to serbton and back and have 20 minutes to get McDonald's. <laughs> this is the high school life i lived yeah we lived or excuse me our high school was on a major streets or so like there was a burger king five minutes away there was a Taco Bell, there was a KFC, so like people would like skip and go get food. But there is a there is a really bad but very cheap cash only Chinese restaurant that still exists right next to the high school called Ming's. Which uh, if they really wanted to do a shout out in <laughs> that movie, they would have included Ming's, which is a Chinese place that's so bad that the noodles they use are just spaghetti noodles. Um, oh no! But you you can get lunch there for four dollars. So no. you know you take what you can get. And the high school experience market. was getting a teacher to agree to let you out. Out to go get mings for like a club like like you were in debater forensics or something and you had like a long lunch where you're working on stuff and so you everyone went and got mings and just ate bad chinese food over lunch that's the real high school to me that's funny yeah no i just mine mine is eating chips in the viking center which is what they called the not cafeteria part of like the hangout the quarters or commons or whatever. Well, yeah, uh, in the movie you see like right outside the main entrance right inside the main entrance school there's like this big area with like pits jack do you know do you know this jackson where like she was setting up her cupcake stand there's like this big yes. like open hallway where there's these two recessed pits where people can sit and i did i read literally almost every book i read in high school sitting in those pits <laughs> learned how to read tarot Ooh. cards in those pits like just uh very weird <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah, it's like there's like the 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 I don't know what to call it, but there was definitely like a similar social area at Isha, which was the place that they went to sixth form. There was nothing like that at Sutton. They just had a big hall. God, Sutton was an awful school. I think I think we're done I think here. We might be done. I think we might just be talking about school at this point. Uh, thanks for this. Uh, listening to this rambly ass podcast. Uh, if next next week we are covering another movie, Destiny, you pick this one. What are we watching? We are watching the film. Wanda, written and directed and starring Barbara Loden. Where uh, can we find this movie? Shit. I have to pull it up. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look at the auto queue now to find out. <laughs> um, I just don't know. I know it's on the Criterion channel. This is on the Criterion channel. You can rent it through iTunes. That's it. That's what you get. Yeah, I, I can't even find it on Just Watch UK. Okay, well, Uh-oh. you have access to the Criterion Channel. After this, we already know our next movie. We will, wa- we will be watching something that is not just on the Criterion Channel, I promise. <laughs> yeah, this is not available in the UK, according to Just Watch. Maybe there's a Blu-ray, I don't know. Find, a, find an American, get a VPN, use the Criterion yep. Channel. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then uh, that's everything. Thanks, everybody, of course. If you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash mapping. And for $1, you get our Gundam podcast. For five dollars, you get writing. Jackson's been writing about movies. Uh, well, you know. I missed another week, so you know. Well, I, ideally, Jackson's writing about movies pretty regularly. <laughs> uh, but you support all of us, which is greatly appreciated. If you want to come into our Discord, there's a link on the podcast on the website 
uh, abnormalmapping.com. Uh, come and listen to all that. We have some new podcasts launching in the next month. Uh, me and Jackson each have one each that the other one is not on that are movie related. So please look forward to those. That's all I'm going to say right now. But they are probably coming barring any disasters. And both of them are movie focused. So I'm excited for that. Um, and you can find us on Twitter. Destiny is at FridgeBuzzNow. Jackson is at, at HeadFallsOff. And I am at EM underscore being. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Please tell your friends. Word of mouth is the only way we can spread the show because, uh, honestly, no, none of us are in film Twitter anymore, and it's really hard to get the word out about a movie podcast unless someone vouches for it. So please vouch for this podcast to anyone you think would appreciate it, and uh, we would appreciate that. I think that's everything. Just giving everyone uh, an out on the plugs today because I would like to go get some lunch. So goodbye, everyone. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.